The world immediately outside of the walls of inner city high school in Edmonton can be a bit cold, even on winter days like this one. The community where this particular high school is located can easily be described, even as a passive observer, as rough around the edges. Situated dead center in a sort of Bermuda Triangle of disrepair, to the south of Nate, to the east of Kingsway Mall, and to the west of Commonwealth Stadium, this community officially known as Spruce Avenue has largely been forgotten by the economic boom that Edmonton has been witness to in recent years. Houses here are a little bit decrepit, and it's easy for cars to zoom through this dusty, stopgap of an area on their way to somewhere else without ever really turning their heads to something quite incredible that is happening here you're confronted with a very different atmosphere when you open the doors of inner city high school. Teenagers here can be caught chatting, laughing, and playing the odd game of basketball. Walk down the stairs, past the cafeteria that serves three meals a day, a hint that this school isn't your typical Edmonton high school. Take a right, and you'll see Dan Scratch with his flannel shirt and tweed newsboy hat, bouncing ideas back and forth with a small group of teenagers. Uh, my name is Dan Scratch, and I'm a social studies teacher here at Inner City High School in Edmonton, Alberta. You know how I alluded to the fact that this wasn't your typical high school in Edmonton? Well, if the generic Inner City High School moniker doesn't give it away, Dan Scratch explains that Inner City High School is a place uh, for inner city youth who um, want a different take on education. Um, it's a place where youth can come and get a different experience to find success within the educational system and move on to reach their own successes. Inner City High was started about 20 years ago. Before that, it was a drama program um, meant for inner city youth to kind of deal with the issues that they're working on. And more recently, it's transitioned into a fully-fledged independent high school to serve the needs of inner-city youth who've fallen through the cracks of the traditional high school system. Uh, primarily, we serve at-risk youth um, here in the inner-city Edmonton. Uh, there are youth that from all over the city that do come um, and attend the school. They'll, they'll bus in or transit in or whatever. Um, most of the students who end up here um, haven't had a lot of success within the, the traditional learning environment. They've either been expelled or they've... Um, gone through some sort of trauma within the traditional education system that has, that has they've left it from it for some reason. Where they're coming from is a place riddled with complex problems. Poverty, developmental learning issues, and for the 95% of students at inner city high school that are aboriginal, a legacy of residential schools that left their older relatives skeptical and sometimes even fearful of institutionalized education in this country. Well, if we take the kind of your traditional, stereotypical image of, of a traditional classroom or a traditional high school, and no offense to my uh, brothers and sisters in the high schools out there, but um, here you're going to have lots smaller class sizes, for one. Uh, usually we try and work within a one to six ratio, um, and we try to develop really uh, personal relationships with the students to make sure they have a connection to where they're coming. Um, also in inner city high schools, where we work on accommodation space. We try to work on a, um, a model that sees the, um, the positives in students. So we don't look at them as a deficit that needs to be filled. We look at them as they have strengths and they have knowledge and the things they can bring into the classroom to take ownership of, 
of uh, their learning experience and give them another sense of what education could be. What could um, what could their education mean to them if they have all the tools necessary to be able to participate in instruction and in learning? The result of this type of education, where students take ownership of their studies, can yield some tremendous results. Take, for example, one particular student at Inner City High. This is a person who's still in the process, I would say. There's no name needed here. According to Scratch, this particular student can act as a stand-in for many of the students who have attended Inner City High over the years. Um, so when he came into my classroom, he could not write a sentence without talking it over with me. We had to go sentence by sentence to get, even get to write a paragraph. And that might take two classes to write a paragraph. Um, what was really great for me to see is that last year, uh, through working, through through, he was a very um, a student who'd like to talk, and so we were able to talk and we would record his his voice for an essay, and then he would write down what he recorded, and then he could do it independently, so we could do that that process. And through those essays, this particular student was empowered with the opportunity to write about his experiences as an Aboriginal youth living in Edmonton to document the injustices that he's been subject to. Writing about his experiences allowed him to become a critically engaged citizen with the ability to participate with the world around him. This is what Dan Scratch calls social justice education. And he took his diploma exam last year um, in social studies, and he got 67% on it. And that is huge because that's someone who, who has barely ever passed a class in his entire life. Um, and so for, to, take it, to go from living on the streets, going to the Hope, in that cycle, um, to come to school, to write diploma exam, and to pass with the 67% is huge. But this isn't just another story about some kid given a second chance at education although that is the end result. It's really the story about allowing individuals who have been faced with so much injustice with the opportunity to confront that, take ownership of it, and through the power of education, grow from it. Exactly. And I mean, they're the experts, right? I'm not going to come in here and tell them what living in poverty is like, right? They know what that's like. Uh, I'm not going to tell them what racism is like. They know it. So it's providing an opportunity for them to uh, to demonstrate their knowledge and their skills to their classmates because I'm not just, I'm, my, I'm here to facilitate that conversation. I'm here to provoke them with some ideas that they may have not had before, but I'm not here to tell them what their lives were like or what their lives were like. And really, I mean, I could spend my time getting them to memorize facts and dates, but that's not going to help them in the world. Social justice is important to education. It's not just learning about certain topics, but it's, it's talking about power, it's talking about authority. So it's, it's allowing students to question my authority, it's allowing, questions to question my, allowing students to question my power. Um, and if you do that, then you, what you want to hopefully create is critically thinking, independent, responsible citizens. That's what the kind of people I want to live in a world with, is people who can think. Reporting for the CJSR edition, my name is Matt Hergy.